Amanda Mills, the host of Tea and Tattle podcast, and I'm so pleased to say that today my mum Donna is joining me again on Tea and Tattle as part of a regular monthly special for a mother-daughter book chat. In these chats, we're going to be recommending books that parents or carers may like to share with their children, from picture books for toddlers to middle grade readers and, of course, adult books too, as I, for one, still love swapping reading recommendations with my mum. Obviously, we're a mother and daughter team here at Tea and Tattle HQ, so our conversation will be centred around our relationship and the books we've loved and shared over the years and the books that we continue to share. But of course, I am a huge believer in sharing books with boys as well as girls and for fathers to share their love of reading with their children too. So really, ultimately, I just hope that our conversations will inspire anyone listening to read some great books. Although the usual tea read specials are on hold for now, as I don't have a lot of news or cultural recommendations to share during this time... Don't worry, tea reads should make a reappearance again soon. These episodes might even come back as a regular weekly mini episode. We'll have to see. But for now, today, let's get on with the book chat. Hello, Mum. How are you? Hello, Miranda. I'm fine. How are you? Well, thank you. What have you been reading this month? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a very good question because you recommended a couple of books to me which were an absolute delight. And I must say you told me to read On Chapel Sands. Yes. um, And I absolutely loved that book and you were so right it was something that really swept me away so I was so grateful for the recommendation I listened to your interview with Laura Cumming and it was wonderful I I thoroughly enjoyed it oh I'm so happy that you read it and that you did enjoy it I mean as soon as I read it I knew that it would be a book that you would love so I'm so glad that you read it yourself and that you did really enjoy it. I know you're so interested in family history. That's all about family history and of course a mother and daughter relationship. It's wonderful and I love the mother's writing. She does include quite a bit from her mother's journal and I would have loved to seen some of her mother's artwork and and, um, weaving because I think she went on to do um, weaving yes, didn't she yes, yes she did I know I would have loved to have seen that I thought it was so interesting that Laura Cumming is an art critic and both her parents were actually artists Absol- it really runs absolutely in the family um well I've had a pretty good reading month yeah, what have as you well read, obviously I've had to read a lot for the podcast but I also read um Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell okay that's a big one on people's lists I know what do you think I've been kind of eager but I wondered what you would think about it yeah well I can see why people are raving about it I thought it was really good I'd be kind of curious for you to read it because I'm not sure what you will think of it okay I mean I am I am I am yes and it's really sad Hamna is is very sad I really sobbed over it I mean this isn't a spoiler because it says it in the author note right at the beginning. So this isn't a spoiler. But of course, um, Shakespeare's son Hamnet died. 
yeah. um, when he was about 11 years old. And I just find anything that deals with the death of a child is, you know, oh, it's really... It's tragic, isn't it? Yeah. It is very tragic. And she's very good at, at writing um, about grief and loss. And so I think that's really amazing how how she does that in the book and it's just so heartfelt but it sort of rips your own heart out at the same time so it's very sad definitely one that you like maybe you know yeah. would need some tissues with yes yeah, so I saw the little piles from you <laughs> so I guessed it was a bit of a tearjerker yes um obviously I think that Maggie O'Farrell is a brilliant writer as well and it is really beautifully How written. How she handle the fact that there really isn't any historical fact much anyway if yeah. really anything? Yes, that is interesting because in fact they don't even know how Shakespeare's son died. No. So a lot of it, I think she says in a note at the back that she tried to stick to um, facts as much as possible mm -hmm. and she made certain decisions on some facts so um, Shakespeare's wife is often known as Anne Hathaway but apparently in um, her father's will she was listed as Agnes yeah, okay, so, I've heard that yes. yeah so in Hamnet um, Maggie of Harrow made the decision to call her Agnes that's not really Anne. interesting. So uh, that was interesting. But of course, a lot of it is just conjecture and also her own imagination. And I think that's an important way to read the book. It's important mm -hmm. to keep that in mind because it really is so much a work of fiction. Yeah. And Shakespeare's name isn't even mentioned. The name Shakespeare oh, wow. isn't mentioned. William isn't mentioned in the book. Those two names are not mentioned. So the real point of it is really about um, Agnes, his yes. wife, and it really is her story and the story um, of their son as well. So in that way too, um, you might have expected a book like that to make more references to Shakespeare's plays. Obviously there's the reference to Hamlet because the names Hamlet and Hamlet were essentially interchangeable. Yeah. So that play was a direct you know, reference mm -hmm. to the name of his son. But you might expect to, there to be more references to his plays mm -hmm. and um, maybe in the language as well. And there really aren't. I think it, it reads like a very modern story, to be honest, in many ways. Okay. Or it definitely feels like... It's definitely so a modern writer. So it doesn't use archaic um, conversation style or anything like that? No, it really doesn't. And also just the character of Agnes to me is a, vis a visualisation of what she would be from the perspective of a modern day writer, for sure. Well, that's interesting. That's a, a good thing to know. You're not really getting a sort of fictionalised biography, more like a, a, a person reimagined from very little fact. Yes, exactly. Mm. And um, she, that was the only quibble I had with it. Is Agnes ro almost reminds me of a like a fairy tale Disney That's princess type character. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because she she's almost um, 
she's almost got this witch-like quality to her, which Maggie Farrell plays with in the book, but she's almost like this kind of animal whisperer. And there's a scene where a squirrel comes into the room and sort of nestles on her shoulder. (laughs) Very Snow White, is it? (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. So I personally felt that was going a little bit far, but I don't know if that's because a lot of the books I've been reading lately have had these same themes of women and witchcraft Mm. uh, you know and the historical implications of that and the way women Mm -hmm. were persecuted for that but also um this kind of second sight and almost this fantasy kind of element I felt came into Hamnet a bit and I don't know if I'm just a little bit I've I've read too much of those all at once Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. So I don't know if I'm just a little bit tired of those themes or if I felt that that was just slightly overdone. Well, it still sounds worth reading, though. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I can see why it's been shortlisted on the women's prize. And it's such a beautiful physical um, book, isn't it? I mean, I remember that the cover's beautiful on it and you lift it off and there's sort of gold on the red boards and everything. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, it is really beautiful, but I think definitely just come to it as this real complete work of fiction and don't think of it no as a biography in any kind of way no, no, you know no. and That's it isn't trying to, to be that no, to be no. fair either it's not a fictionalized biography it really is just this work of imagination is what I would say oh well, that's that's wonderful and of course reading it right now is also quite um poignant because um it's not known how Shakespeare's son died but in the story um he dies of the black death he dies of oh, plague. the plague. plague yes um and, the, and there's a strong bit in the book where she writes about how all these brief chance encounters ended up with um, a child in, you know, Stratford or even getting getting so ill. Well, well, I, I was thinking, I mean, I'm not up to it right now, to be honest, but when we're through this, I'd be quite interested in rereading um, A Parcel of Patterns. Um, that was a children's book which was set... I think it's in Eyot, there's, I don't know how you say that, but it's E-Y-O-T, but it was the sort of plague village where they kept everybody away oh. to try and contain oh, the well. plague in the area. So I was thinking, oh, I must try and do that. I think that was Jill Patton Walsh, and oh, yeah. I'd like to read that again. I think we've got a copy. Yes. So that would be a good one. I think um, Astacott by Penelope Lively might oh, be one really? about the play too. I'll have to check that. Yeah. There are a couple, but I can't read it right now. It's depressing enough. Um, living through it here right now without, uh, to me, reading. I want more escape, escapism. I know, I know. Everyone's different with that, aren't mm, they? They like, are. I prefer more escapist reads at the moment. I understand too, why but... people would want to read that sort of thing, but it, for me, it wouldn't work. So yeah. you have to do what you want to do, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I think you should maybe read Hamlet a bit later. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I don't really need to sob as much as you no. do. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I still recommend it. <laughs> anyway, with it, what sort of books did you choose this month for our project? Which you know? Yes. Okay, so what we're going to be recommending is three books each. And we're always going to choose some kind of picture book, mm-hmm. um, some kind of book that um, is good for children or YA. Yeah. Um, and then an adult book. Lovely. So Can't wait. I've got my three. And the first one I want to share is the picture book, which is very special to me. It's called Betsy and Dr. Ross Discover a Black Beauty by Betsy Ross Collar. 
Well, there's a story behind this one. Yes, you know, I think that this is the very first book event I can remember. You know, it was like the sort of first book event that probably set off some of my like passion and interest I in going to like author and book events. Um, because this really started it because I remember when I was in reception, so when I was about four or five years old, and we were living in France, but I was going to school in Switzerland at the International School of Geneva. That's right. And I this was teaching there too. When, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You were a teacher at the same school. And this author, Betsy Ross Collar, who is actually American from Ohio, but she was living in Switzerland at the time. And I think she must have come to the international school and given a talk on her books. She did. And I think she did like library events or something because you... I as far as I remember, it was a long time ago, obviously, each class or each year group kind of went to the library yes. and she gave a, a talk about her book and read it and everything. Yes. And I know how enamoured you were because guess what? We ended up buying the book. book. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I remember just like loving, she must have read the book to she us did, and yeah. I adored it. And um. I somehow remembered this book again a few years ago and we didn't have it with us. It must still be in New York where my dad is storing yes. my childhood books. But I suddenly said to you, I remember, do you remember that book? What was it called? I can't remember, mm. but I absolutely loved it. It was about a horse and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you managed to track them down again because this book I'm holding now, this copy in my hands, is signed by her and it's dated 2013. I wrote to her actually and said, are your books still for sale because we had the honor of yes. listening to you when you were in Geneva yeah. and my daughter remembered your book and you love and I found out that she'd not only written that one but several well at least two another others two. Yeah, yeah it's a trilogy and you ordered those which I, I did. was then able to read you know years later I don't remember why I record these books probably something to do with going into teaching myself made yeah. me remember these yeah um but I was so happy to get this one again and the other two. It's such a charming story. It's based on the author's own childhood in Ohio in the 1950s. And so this book is about her as a young girl traveling around with her father who was a vet. And it starts on the morning of her birthday. And as a birthday surprise, um, he takes her to a farm where there's um, a young horse, a colt yeah. that's black with the white star in its yeah. forehead, just like Black Beauty, she wants to call her horse. And she's so excited and she can't wait to bring the horse back when it's a bit older to their farm. But later on in the day, they visit another farm and there she sees an old horse that's not been very well taken care of. And it's also black with a white star, but it's blind and it can't see and she falls in love with this horse and she sees that it she wants to take care of it she wants to give it a better life so in yeah. fact she she chooses that horse in the end it, it, it's just the most touching story it is and, and even wonderful. more touching when you realize it's based on a true story yeah. that that all happened and the artwork is so distinctive i mean yeah. i i can still remember the the pages very well the, the illustrations are beautiful this is partly what made me so fascinated with this book as a child they're very like 
naive style illustrations yeah. and there's so much detail to them like I remember just pouring over each illustration and loving it this is a book I think you would definitely read to your child because there's quite a lot of text on each page yes I mean I would I'm certainly at first I read it to you yeah. it would have been beyond what you could read yes yourself and the vocabulary before. is actually very advanced so it's an excellent book to read yes. to younger children yes um, but they would have to be quite advanced readers, in fact, to read it themselves. I think it's a, quite a bit more advanced than a lot of picture books. And there's yes. quite a lot of text on each page. Yeah. But it's a great book to read aloud. So sadly, I think they are a bit hard to find, but I will link to her website in the That's show notes. So I think she also sells cards now and maybe prints or something. Well, she made remember. her career as an artist. Yes. It said, you know, yes. she started out painting scenes in Switzerland that... Mm. And that kind of started her as an artist. So, yeah, there probably is some more stuff. But, yes, I'll put the link in the web to her website in the show notes. Well, that's a lovely memory. Yes. How about you? What's the picture book you well, chose? Well, I chose um, a picture book by actually um, the same author as the adult book I'm going to discuss um, oh, in a bit. Super. Um, because I absolutely loved this picture book. Now, it came out... I think in 1998, so it was, well, you were sort of um, in your teens then, so mm. you, it wasn't one that we, well, actually, I think you were 12, actually, <laughs> but it wasn't one that I bought for you, although um, your cousins were born, and I did used to collect picture books for them, and we often would go and look at the new books and make decisions about yeah. which books to send them. I remember that. And also, like, even when you were older, for every Christmas, we always chose do you remember children's um, picture books a new one yes. for every Christmas I to remember add to the that. basket yeah. but this was one that I absolutely loved it's called The Circle of Days from Canticle of the Sun by St Francis of Assisi and it's um, been translated and the words chosen and, and the poetry done by Reeve Lindbergh and um, it's been illustrated by Kathy Felstead and we did have um a few other books by uh, that were illustrated by Kathy Felstead. Like we had them um, a poetry book about the Caribbean poets called a Caribbean mm. dozen, and then we had by um, Reef Limburg. We have what What is the Sun, which was another um, another book that you know was beautifully illustrated with rhyming text mm. that we sort of loved as well. But this is to me one of the most gorgeous. Um, gorgeous yeah. sort of large picture it's books stunning. you can get yeah. the words of course are traditional and beautiful um and I, I think it's just a, a wonderful book to read out loud to a young child mm. and give them the sense of poetry and the stunning illustrations that come with it yeah this one really is beautiful I mean the illustrations they take up pretty much the full page there isn't so much text in this one it's so much of it is about us so learning through the pictures it is so and it's beautiful as well like you get a picture of an acorn and then of a tree growing mm. and going through the yeah. seasons at the bottom like they're a little um, illustrations at the bottom with a main one at the top yeah on a lot of the pages it's great to show the cyclical nature of sort yes. of seasons and nature yes. and life yeah and such a beautiful book to read and I realize because Reeve herself of course is um, a member of the very famous American Lindbergh family and um, she is in fact an American but this illustrator Kathy um, Felstead is in fact British because I remember when I first looked at this book thinking 
Well, that's interesting because that's a British Robin, not an American Robin. (laughs) She must be British. So that was something I picked on right away. But it's very international, the children shown, the landscape shown. It's beautiful. So one that I really recommend. Oh, that's lovely. Well, so the next book I have is Mm. for um, sort of young readers. Um, Probably aged, I don't know, around... Eight and up, maybe that one, would you think? Yeah, maybe nine and up. Um, and it's called Marianne Dreams by Catherine Storr. Catherine Storr wrote a book I loved as a child, Clever Polly and the Stupid Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> that one I started reading to you, but pretty soon you were able to read that one yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I remember that. And I, I loved that book. Now, I didn't read Marianne Dreams when I was young. I picked this up, um, you know, just the other day and read it because I still love to read children's yeah, I re- books Yeah, I read it. Um, I don't know if it was when it was first out. What year was it actually published? Uh, but that, that, that edition, that is very familiar to me, the Puffin. No, it was first published in 1958. Yeah, so I would have read it myself um, as a as a child yes. oh that's interesting yeah it certainly made an impression upon me and that cover did the sort of purple green blue. yeah I've yeah. got the old puffin yeah. book and I, the color does sort of stand uh, the cover does stand out and I, in a way I wish I had read this when I was young because it's such a strange book <laughs> to read as an adult mm. you know how some children's books you absolutely can read as an adult and you know yeah recapture the magic of childhood and and you still love them this book I found very strange to read as an adult and I wondered what my reaction to it would have been as a child and what my experience of it would have been as a child because I think it would obviously have been quite different I did find it scary does it still it is scary well that's what I thought reading it it's about a young girl who um, falls sick and she has to spend a few months in bed Um, so she's completely bed bound and she is given, an, well, she finds an old pencil in a box, yeah. I think, of her grandmother's. And she starts to draw with this pencil. She draws a house. And then she starts dreaming. And in her dream, she, in fact, finds herself in this house. And she goes on to draw a boy in the house. And she meets this boy in the dream. Mm. But they have a quarrel. And so the next day when she wakes up, she draws some big stones outside the house and then when she's in a temper she gives these stones an eye and she doesn't even know why she does it really Mm -hmm. but she draws an eye in the stones and when she goes back into the dream then she and the boy realize that these horrible creatures are made of stones Mm. that have eyes are watching them and that they're this menacing presence Mm. and so much of the book is about how they end up escaping from the house and the boy that she meets called Mark um, is in fact also a boy in real life that she hears about through her tutor that they have in common and he is also bedbound. he's also ill he's had polio um, but they meet in this sort of dreamscape world that the pencil has created and much of the book is about how they eventually escape that world together and also how they become well in the real world too 
I find this, do you know there's a sequel called Marianne March? No, I didn't know that. We'll have to look for a copy of that because it would be yes. interesting to read. I I read it, but I can't remember to be honest. Anything. This was yeah. the one that really stuck in my mind. Yeah, oh. but it's very interesting. It's a bit like karma, isn't it? That what you do, even in your imagination, or when you're ill wishing, or you're getting actually has repercussions yes exactly and I think Catherine Storr was really interested in child psychology I think she must she? have been yes yeah, she I think she was she did something like that as her job yes um, I think that really comes out in this book um, but it is quite a disturbing read and I think it is rather frightening well as you well. probably don't remember but in fact as much as you loved clever Polly and the stupid wolf mm. there was there was sort of elements of real scariness in that, but of course, Polly overcame it. Like, I think she's looking at the importance of scary fairy tales in children's mm-hmm. development and how you shouldn't try and make everything sugar sweet and, and yes. pink and rosy for children. Yeah. That they need to face reality through fairy tales and stories as well and imaginative things that's so interesting yes I think there is this sense of the importance of imagination and you know creating worlds in your own mind but yes also having this awareness that any bad feeling or anger that comes out could actually just be reflected back on yourself in some negative way um, which is quite I mean, that feels like quite a modern idea in some ways, you know, the law of attraction and all of that. Yeah, but, but obviously. Yeah. And you think of books like Tom's Midnight Garden, which again had this element of the dream and the reality yes. and things. Yeah. Obviously, it was very popular around that time. And I, I can't remember. I think Tom's Midnight Garden would have been later or about the same time I don't know yeah but um these that this was quite common wasn't it in yes. um, books from that time yeah that is theme. true that is true um yes yeah, so anyway and, and also what yeah I don't know if you know this but she lived in Hampstead oh yes yeah <laughs> we've we, yeah we've mentioned that actually before yeah. I think you found that out I did and that is really interesting because I've lived in Hampstead in the past and we live in West Hampstead now. Yeah, so, so we sort know of the almost area. A, a local author. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. What's your next book? Well, my next book is one that you could either read to a child or actually you would um, read it yourself. And I, I got it because, you know, I read The Vicarage Children again while we were talking about Easter yes. things and things like that. Yeah. I suddenly realised that I wanted to look again at The Theatre Cat by Noel Stretfield, which was actually only republished um, last year. So it was one that we'd had when you were a child, but I, you know, did either got lost or we certainly don't have it now. And so it was lovely to see it come out as a new edition. It's a scholastic one. And um, it's about Pinky, the black cat, <laughs> who um, who lives backstage and is meant to be a mouser for a ballet oh, company. Yes, it's an absolutely adorable yeah. story because he's a complete failure as a mouser. <laughs> but he, he is able at the end to do a very heroic act and, and actually um, help a ballerina perform. <laughs> so it, it's absolutely gorgeous. The I always think that the um, illustrations are beautifully done. Um, that's Suzanne Super, I think. And um, just an absolutely charming story. And it was one of these that you could enjoy reading 
yourself to your child or your or your child would love mm. it like so much so often yeah. I try to find books that gave us both pleasure at different levels well yes exactly and I think I mean with Marianne Dreams I think it would be a great one to read with your child too and actually talk about it and maybe yes. talk about some of those feelings that you know comes up from reading it and it's illustrated too which I forgot to say but which I love I think it's so important that children's even you know proper chapter books have illustrations I think so and and nowadays that's not so common I don't know if it's a matter of how much they um they cost to get the illustrations in Mm. there and whatever but I feel it's a real lack that you don't have that so much in chapter books anymore me too well um for um, the next one, I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I wanted my adult read this month to um, to be mentioned. And then that's why I chose Reeve Lindbergh's picture book as well, because it is one that I actually managed to get for free on Kindle Unlimited. Oh, um, it's by her, it's called Two Lives, and I can't recommend it highly enough. It is absolutely wonderful book it's episodic it's um a memoir she's looking the two lives she refers to are both um her role as being uh, like the youngest daughter of um Charles Lindbergh and Anne Monroe um Lindbergh and sort of um being sort of somebody who answers questions about them and their family life I mean the the big tragedy of course was their first child was kidnapped and and was he was killed and that's Mm, that's horrific yes it's a part of sort of American mythology about the family and he was such a famous aviator he flew um the first flight from I think New York to Paris um in the plane that he'd built called um Spirit of St. Louis so maybe it went from St. Louis I can't remember to be honest but she wrote her her mother wrote this wonderful book called gift from the sea and um i wanted to read this book and it was so touching there were so many parts in it um that i found really inspirational i think you know for people who love memoirs and love reading about how um family and old age affect you she's the most Mm -hmm. wonderful writer reeve limbuck so i really do um recommend it and she talks about how so often women um while they're raising a family and running a household and for her mother she'd written this these wonderful books um Mm. but she was also had quite a large family and um her husband was often off doing things you know he was um uh, still a member of the military and things like that so she she was often worrying about the fact that um she felt she didn't have time to read Mm. and um in fact what Reeve did is she actually did a compilation for um, a book of diaries and letters which were published after her mother's death and she called it Against Wind and Tide and she says oh the title was chosen by her editor and came from a phrase my mother often used to describe what it was like to try to write while raising a family and running a household. The phrase came from a letter Harriet Beecher Stowe once wrote to her sister about the same conflict in her own life. I am constantly pursued and haunted by the idea that I don't do anything. Since I began this note, I have been called off at least a dozen times. Once for the fishman to buy a codfish. Once to see a man who had brought me some barrels of apples. Once to see a bookman. Then to Mrs. Upham to see about a drawing I promised to make for her. 
then to nurse the baby, then into the kitchen to make a chowder for dinner, and now I am at it again for nothing, but deadly determination enables me ever to write. It is rowing against wind and tide. And I thought, wow, that's so um, interesting. So many female writers have said the same thing, haven't they? Yes, they have, yeah. Oh, I'd love to read that memoir. It sounds well. I well, I I loved it so much that now, of course, I want to get that book. I want to get the physical copy yeah. of her diaries and her mother's diaries and letters. I want to read more of hers. So, like everything, you know, when you find someone you love, and then it opens this whole thing where you, I'm going to be collecting books by her <laughs> and trying to. Read. So it's wonderful because I've now got yes. sort of an author that yes. I can look out yes. for. And her mother, of course, it's been so long since I've read her works, and mm. I'd love to read them again. I think you would really enjoy them. Yeah, how interesting that they um, shared a talent for writing as very, well the very much and, and of course the um definitely her father mm. as well yeah, yeah yeah oh that that does sound fascinating but well clever you to match <laughs> your uh picture book with your adult book too. but what about you what's your adult book well because i know that you enjoyed on chapel sand so much yeah. i've chosen one that i think you would also really enjoy thank you and um <laughs> partly because again it's based on a true story and it's called Wilfred and Eileen by Jonathan Smith it's a Persephone book wonderful and it's um a wonderful read it's set just before during and well just after you get a glimpse of life just after World War One. Oh, that's an interesting period. And essentially, it's a love story. It's oh. about a young man called Wilfred who um, is coming to the end of his time at Cambridge. And during the May Ball, he meets a young woman called Eileen. And he falls in love with her pretty much love at first sight. Wow. He's very ambitious. He yearns to be a doctor, well, a surgeon, really, I Mm -hmm. think, top of his class. And he goes to train in London. And he and Eileen end up marrying in secret. Oh, wow. Because neither of their families really approve of the match. Out of snobbishness on both sides, I think. (laughs) But they're so in love, they end up marrying in secret. Um eventually their families do find out and are sort of forced to accept the situation and they marry again in church um, (laughs) out of respectability. But what's extraordinary about it is their real sort of love for each other and this burgeoning relationship is beautifully described. Um, Then, of course, World War I happens Wilfred decides to sign up just as so many other mm-hmm. young men did and as so many other young men he's filled with all these idealistic notions of war yeah. and patriotism he goes off to fight and ends up getting very badly injured shot in the head and partially paralyzed oh my goodness and when Eileen finds out about this she does something extraordinary she goes by herself um, to the war office and then to the foreign office to get issued a passport and then to get issued, um, well, allowance basically to travel. 
goodness me, that must have been very hard fought. Yes, and she makes the journey by herself to France, to the hospital where he is, and cares for him, but also stands up for him, is able to speak on his behalf, and persuade the doctors to enable him to travel back to London where he in fact ends up being treated at the hospital at which he was training and he regains you know enough sort of sense and awareness to actually be able to also instigate some of his own treatment because he was a very brilliant young man yeah um and such a brilliant doctor of course what was sad was he was never able to practice medicine again but he lived he did live and um, they ended up moving to the country, to Kent. And in fact, he ended up having an amazing life. And so much of his mobility did come back. His speech, you know, came back. And he was really able to live a very happy so life. was this a real story then? It wasn't- Yes. Oh, so okay. this all actually happened. I mean, this is a fictionalised yes, account, of obviously. But so Jonathan Smith um, was a teacher and one day one of his pupils came up to him and said, I think you might be really interested in this story about my grandparents. Oh my. So he worked very closely with the family, um, you know, with the daughter, one of the daughters of Wilfred and Eileen and um, looked at sort of old letters and diaries and things like that. How found wonderful. out much more about Wilfred who actually ended up becoming a member of the Communist Party oh. um, in Britain, um, but also a real sort of naturalist and um, expert on birds and yeah just a fascinating story but like I said at the heart it's just it's this really touching love story yeah. you know about two people um, so is it essentially a happy book would you it say it is then? I think it ends on a very hopeful note and, and they obviously had children and yes they did go on to have children and I think Eileen really devoted a lot of her life to Wilfred but in the novel, a real point is made about what was happening. I mean, this was written in the 70s, mm-hmm. but Jonathan Smith makes a real point of mentioning kind of on the sidelines votes for women and all of that that was happening. And yeah. also that how Eileen, you know, saved, like she really did save his life, I yes. think, in the end by, by going yeah. to France, getting him back to England. And she did that by standing up for herself and for her right so to be able a real to travel Persephone to that. Treasure this yes, one. yes, yeah. exactly. You can yeah. see why it's been republished by Persephone books, um, and I think you would really enjoy it. I'm and sure again, I'll be it, it's that it. you know in, insight into a real life too, and into this story discovered by. Um, learning about someone's family history and sort of bringing that to light. So I think it's another one you would enjoy and I I wholeheartedly recommend it. Well, I'll definitely try. And if you have time, which I know is a lot harder for you because you often have books that you have to read. Yes. But I do want you to read Two Lives. I definitely want to read that now. Thank (laughs) you for the recommendation. This conversation has definitely inspired me, given me books I want to read. I hope it has for our listeners as well. But that's it for this mother and daughter special episode of Tea and Tattle. I've put links to the books mentioned in this episode in the show notes, which you can find at teaandtattlepodcast.com forward slash home forward slash book chat one. So that's book chat and the number one. 
Do let me know what books you've been enjoying lately and if you like the sound of any of the books my mum and I chatted about in this episode. You can find me on Instagram at Tea and Tattle Podcast. Tea and Tattle will be back next week with two regular full-length interviews on Tuesday and Friday. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.